0: Episode number, this is episode number 21 of Bound for Disappointment. My name is Kevin Cherry coming to you live, not really live because it's a podcast, so it's obviously recorded, but I'm in San Diego, California. I am joined on the other side of the border, the California Arizona border, that is, by Mark Wilkins in picturesque Phoenix, Arizona. What's going on?
1: Hey, do we still have that emo song intro?
0: Uh Yeah, probably. I mean, here's the thing. It was a pain in the ass to do it once, and I don't feel like changing it every single time. So well, I'm not technically well, your... sound here. If, if, like I said, anytime that you want to take charge and you want to edit this stuff, you can put in whatever song you want as long as I sign off on it. Because I don't want
1: it to be like some some garbage. But Well, I'm just saying I wasn't consulted on this. So I, I went to listen for no apparent reason because I don't listen ever. Um, i can't listen to the sound of my own voice so yeah yeah it, it, it's a nightmare to listen to your own voice and what happened i put it on for some reason and i was like oh there's music in the intro and it was like i want to watch the padres but my grandma died last weekend and i was like that doesn't really fit what we do but hey you know more power to you i just picked
0: a random song that, I, that had kind of a you know i like the i like the opening of that song but i do not I know and i was trying to pick something too that like because it's not like a huge band so i didn't want to pick, pick like metallica because then we get popped for like copyright infringement
1: or something uh, yeah Lars actively looks for that stuff so
0: well yeah that's what it's funny because years ago this is probably shoot seven eight ten years ago somewhere in that range um I, I i found the torrent sites which i don't know if that's still a thing if people still use those i don't know um but i had it's before like your smartphone did everything but i would download a bunch of albums off of like the pirate bay and different things and a lot of it was just stuff i'd already purchased in the past it was like i don't have a digital copy of it or even a physical copy of it and i don't want to buy it again so pff, i'll just download it and so Um, one of the, the mistake I made is that I forgot to like delete it off of the, um, I guess like if you leave it on there, like it's like seeding or whatever they call it. And so people can download it from you. And so I got popped from Cox a couple of times, uh, because people were downloading like Metallica and like Slipknot and something else off of me. Some, some like super might've been like Nirvana and they basically were threatening to suspend my internet. So then I stopped doing that and I've never done that. Any type of that stuff since it scared the hell out of me.
1: The coolest one was when I was at Sonoma State. Um, we weren't allowed to have Wi Fi back then because Wi Fi was pretty new and they were worried about uh, security. So everyone had to have their computers plugged in. Uh, but that meant that we were all on the same intranet and we all got this program that let us share all of our entire music libraries with everyone else in our dorm. So it was, and you could download it. So we we had all these incredible, you know, back when music was still, you're paying for it on CDs and iTunes and everything. Also, we had this access to everyone's library and we could do whatever we wanted with it. It was pretty cool.
0: I remember the first MP3 player that I bought because it was like, so when I worked in Office Depot. So this is probably 2004. And it was like a floor display. And I paid like 20, 30 bucks for it. And I just remember it was stoked because it was like, it was, 512 megabytes so I could I could put like 100 songs on it I thought it was like the coolest thing ever and um that's like one of those things you ever think about like go back like 15-20 years and like what would blow your mind like I I think about like 15-16 year old Kevin uh who loved music obviously spent I I worked at McDonald's and I would spend like legitimately like half my paycheck buying music like I I would put half of it in the bank I pulled the rest of it out as cash and just buy whatever I wanted because I didn't have to pay bills or anything. It was great. Best time of my life. And I remember having to like buy CDs and then you, you'd have a disc man and I, I bought like the top of the line disc man. And I remember carrying like, I bought this extra heavy thick backpack that I could put my books in one section, but it was big enough to where I could also like slip a 128 CDs in there and like into the case. And so just thinking about doing that and, and how i used to listen to music and then like jumping forward, you know, 20 years and that like every freaking album in the history of like music is at the touch of your fingers, it's that's probably i think the, the biggest thing that like blows my mind. Like if you go back and you just kind of look at how tech, technology has evolved, like tv's getting thinner and bigger and you know whatever is you know is impressive, but i think that for me, man, like thinking about just being able to like go on Apple Music or Spotify and type in, you know, Bruce Springsteen and have his entire freaking catalog pop up. It's like holy shit! Like
1: that's the craziest thing for me. Yeah, it was. It was, it was funny. Uh, I was listening to uh, Jacob Dylan uh, from the Wallflowers on a podcast, and the the subject of streaming came up about how it's like the, I think like eighty five percent of music is listened to on streaming now. Yeah, and uh, he he was talking about how napster and everything wanted to really play fair like they basically said to the to the labels like you know talk to us we want to do this right because we you know that'll help us stay in business and help you stay in business and the labels kind of you know they, they kind of shuffled around didn't really do anything about it they wanted to win this big you know moral victory and what ended up happening is music has become such a different thing than like movies like for the most part for a movie you still have to buy or rent it the same way you did a blockbuster, you know, like like unless it's available on streaming, um, you're still going and paying like four bucks to rent it or ten or fifteen even twenty bucks to buy it. But for music, like you said, I mean, I remember I was a little kid and uh, my dad had one of those really big tape decks, and you could make you could record your own tapes off of uh, CDs or off the radio, and I would make little mixes that way when I was a little kid. Yeah, me too. And I remember the dream, like the absolute dream in my head was, can I make a CD that's like 10 songs that I want to listen to? And that finally happened, yeah you know, that was already kind of happening at that point, but it was like this extreme luxury. And you know all of a sudden I'm in high school and I'm making CDRs and I thought, oh that's you know that's as cool as it's gonna get. And then I had an iPod and I could you know, buy buy songs, transfer them over on a cable, this and that. And then yeah, I I go on my phone. I, I I get a student discount on Spotify right now. So I'm paying like five bucks a month. And when you think about five bucks a month, you're lucky to get out back in the day with a CD for about eleven dollars after tax. You're lucky the amount of cds that i bought because i I was like oh i got i gotta get you know i gotta hear this i want to hear this i see something new i I can't even imagine how much i spent on music then compared to now because now i don't have to spend money on music beyond what i'm paying to stream it i legitimately would
0: go to best buy and so i I, there's bands i liked, like i was into you know like stuff that you call like like new metal so like you know corn and slipknot and stuff like that but then i also like like the emo stuff too and so what I would do is like anytime a band would come out with an album, I go to Best Buy the first day it was out. Usually they'd have it on sale for like eight bucks. And then every other, and then in the day, what they would do to kind of entice you is it'd be like, hey, if you like this band, here's like five other bands that would be buying. And I would just buy those too. I'm like, oh, if I like AFI, I'll probably like this band. So I'll grab this and I'll grab this and I'll grab that. And so I used to do that because I just like, yeah, you know, I just wanted to listen to as much music as possible. And that is how I. Ended up buying my first Nickelback CD, so that was that was a lot of fun.
1: Christ, Uh I used to. I remember I used to love to go to lose <laughs> so bad. It was like
0: one of those. Like I don't know. I don't know if you ever like buy a CD and you're just like, if, do you ever? Did you ever like in that era? Did you ever buy music blindly? Like, I don't know who this is. It just yeah. Did the album art, album art, look cool or something. You just um quit?
1: Sometimes if the album art looks cool, but also if you went to lose lose records in uh, I guess it's Encinitas, right? i it's think so of, i've never
0: actually been there but yeah that
1: lucadia could be all yeah, that. yeah yeah uh, but if you go to lose or if you um when i moved to the bay area i started going to amoeba which they have one in la too but I, i'd go to the one in san francisco and the one in berkeley those places were really good at they, they would get like the new kind of up-and-coming bands and they would put a sticker on it and it would say like if you like you know, yeah what that's what i was saying play. yeah and uh so i would do that kind of blind that's how um i, remember I got like. Um, I went to lose. I got a band called Action Action that only lasted a few albums, um, but I, I, I liked what they did. It, it had something on it like if you like New Order and the Cure, you'll like this, and it was you know somewhat accurate. I mean, it was a it was a Victory Records band, so it was a little different than that. But um, I remember what band was that? Uh, Action Action. Okay, I'm not familiar. I know Victory really well, but I'm not familiar with that band. They weren't. They didn't like super fit the Victory mold. They're a little more new wave, but you can kind of see where they came from. Um, I ended up with a, a band called Pity Sing and Pity was P-I-T-T-Y. I don't know what it means, what it was about. Um, and the album was okay and it's not even in print. You can't even find it on streaming. Um, I just happen to remember that sticking in my brain. But um yeah, that's how I, I found some things. Um I remember like Interpol I found that way. Um The Killers I found that way because I actually got uh, an import single there because I'd heard that it was, it was a good, good one to go for. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was funny to kind of go like there are people that really miss kind of the romanticism of that chase. Like oh, I, I discovered this, you know, it's my thing that I found on my own, but the, the cost and the effort to it compared to now you can just, you know, you put on like, you know, like you said, you look up an artist, you like you put on their, their station and, you, and something comes on. And you're like, Oh, I know, you know, I've never heard that before. I like that. They kind of discover for you. Um, so I, I understand where people are coming from that there used to be more of a, a mystique behind it, um, but my God, the amount of money we spent on music was yeah. Incredible. Well, because that was part of the fun for it for
0: me because I mean the, the music I listened to wasn't necessarily the most mainstream. Like where you know you'd listen, to, you wouldn't listen it's to like about Nickelback, dude. Well, I'll get to that story in a minute, but like you you, you wouldn't a lot of the stuff I, I I you know like the the like you know emo or whatever you want to call it hardcore like. You know, I listen to everything from, like, death metal to, like, underground hardcore to different, to different things. Job. To what? Bro Job. Bro Job is a great band. Look them up. I'm not going to – we're not going to get into their uh, to their lyrics. I want to keep this show as, as, as family-friendly <laughs> as possible.
1: I know them because you forced me to
0: read them. Because it's funny. But you, you looked them up. H.J. Preller, I don't know if he's, like, in into deathcore, but if he was, God. he would love Bro Job we love them but um like with uh looking at like at those times like I, I remember um just getting you have to like you go on like websites and there'd be like message boards and they people would be talking oh this band and that band and that's kind of how you'd find bands and like oh this guy's and it's, i remember like keeping a pad pad of paper and writing them down and then now it's just like you know, you have even Pandora was kind of the initial start of it where it would, it's just going to play, like, I'm going to type in like green day. It's just going to play all these bands, but no Nickelback. <laughs> I bought it because it was on sale and it was in with like stuff I'd like. And they're like, Oh, if you like this, you'll like this. I'm like, all right. And so they had that one song that they broke out on the radio with like how you remind me. Um, and it was, that's actually probably one of their more decent songs, but I remember turning on the uh, the, the CD and like the first song is about like him beating the ass of somebody who beat up a woman, and it was just like these just like super cliche lyrics. And the second song, I'm like, okay, this sucks. I remember taking it out and just like never listening to it again. Um, and it was just it was just generic and just boring. There's a, there's a few CDs I bought like from smaller bands that like I listened to it once and like what the f did I just buy? Um, and then there's also some like you know some some stuff that you know I, I would always dabble in different different genres i try to you know do hip-hop a little bit here and, and do different things but i mean i legitimately i would say between the ages of 16 to 18 i probably no joke spent probably two to three thousand dollars on music i'm not even that's not even an exaggeration like i mean if i'd buy five five to five to six cds a pay period you know it's 12 a month you know multiply that by in a year 150 cds easy you know they're 10 bucks a pop that's 1500 bucks like it's insane. Um, and, and then even early in iTunes when iTunes like was a thing, like you'd still have to pay $10 to download the album. And I'm like, well, you know, CDs at Target were $14, so it's still cheaper. And then now it's just like, I just paid my, 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 uh, Apple music, uh, fee, which is 15 bucks a month. Cause I have the like multiple user family plan, whatever you want to call it. And it's just, music just comes
1: out and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm curious, like, I know. I know it's affected artists like I know like it's a lot harder to have a record you know break out and turn you into a a super celebrity. I imagine though it gets more people to show so they don't have to spend so much money on the music.
0: You would think so I don't know what the I I know like a lot of bands and you know in in rock and different things that aren't necessarily pulling like the you know radio or on big labels like uh, you know, that's a lot of bands, like uh, a band I like a lot called Ice Nine Kills, which I made you listen to um, when we do the album thing. Um, they have become like, they run their band like a business and they, they're they like, their merch business is huge. They actually had an article in Forbes uh, because like they have this thing every month where they, on the ninth of every month, they call it like nightmare on the ninth and they print like limited edition, like merchandise. And I think in one month, like with their, uh, when when the pandemic first or it was actually no it was wildfires in in in, in uh, australia they 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 like a a shirt with that had a like a as like a kangaroo that like looked like freddy krueger or something and they sold that shirt and they all the proceeds went to um to, to help you know with the with the wildfires and it was like forty thousand dollars and like 48 hours they they did and their merch business would like do like in sales they would sell like a million and a half dollars of merchandise a month and so i think a lot of bands you know if if you have like really creative people what you know working with your merch um that's kind of how you really start making profits and then you know you make an album their their last album charted i think in the top 15 in the billboard so definitely helps them probably get in the bigger venues get more people in but i don't I don't really think um you know bands make huge money unless you're like Taylor Swift or like you're you know Jay-Z or somebody like that. I don't really think a lot of bands make a lot of money from streaming.
1: No, it's it's some horrible ratio of um math I can't calculate and that's how they get you, but um. Yeah.
0: And then also too, which is dumb is that fifteen hundred like song like listens create equals one sale like one physical album sale which that's a lot like i don't think i've listened to like cds 1500 times like in my life i mean maybe but that's a lot so it's just i don't know how they quantify that number but anyway um so we wanted to talk about today Um getting into the the real the meat of the show as it were um Hopefully we don't scare Eric off in that first 15 minutes of rambling about music and random I, stuff, but he's gone, dude, he's gone. Well, he's in Mexico anyway, so he's not going to listen to the shit, but uh, I know it's he went to, yeah, he got deported. So no, I'm just kidding.
1: Um, they got the wrong, wrong dude. One.
0: He, yeah. He's, uh, he's going to, uh, to, to Cancun, which is, which is nice and jealous. Um, never yeah. been to Mexico, but I, I wouldn't mind checking that out. You know, beautiful, beautiful beaches. Things are a lot cheaper there. I would destroy one of those all-inclusive resorts as I'm pivoting to a diet. That would be a I can't
1: a bad believe he's Eric getting deported. He's like the, the <laughs> last, the last guy I'd, I'd ever mix up for being a foreign national. Yeah, well, it, it happens. It
0: happens. He was so bad on Twitter they kicked him out of the country,
1: but, uh, <laughs>
0: creating too much, too much, too much problems. Um, but we want to talk about um, kind of what's going on with the Padres offseason. Um, it's obviously kind of just getting kicked off where only in November the world series just ended. let's the world series. Did, did did you watch the world series? Were you into this world series?
1: I, was, I wasn't really into it. Um... I
0: was bored by it. Like it was just like the game, none of the games were really memorable. The matchup wasn't memorable. Like the Braves. like they got some guys that are, you know, interesting that are likable people. I don't really care about the Astros cheating anymore. I'm kind of over it. So it's just, it, it's just this very anticlimactic, uh, matchup that I just I mean I think I watched an inning here and inning there but I didn't watch a full game at all which is kind of unheard of for me for the World Series.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I understood like like I, I was you know there's Dusty Baker which uh Yeah,
0: which was like yeah. I've always liked Dusty even though even when he's with the Giants, he just always seemed like a like a like a just the kind of guy I, I would think that players would love to play for it just seems like he's got your back he seems like he's pretty mellow like he just he doesn't get too high too low
1: but you know he's going to get get your back if he needs to um yeah and and you know I, I dusty's interesting because um he's he's like the least new school manager you can possibly think of other than maybe tony la russa uh, obviously he's had a successful run in houston already um and, and you can argue you know, he inherited a really good team, Uh, but you can inherit a really good team and, and completely screwed up. And um, that's held together. Well, and what's interesting is he's had most of the staff that uh, Hinch had in Houston. He kind of just stepped into that role with the existing staff. So there's some continuity. Um, I mean, Jock Peterson was a cool story, but what the hell do I care? Um, He still, he hasn't been away from the Dodgers long enough for me to not associate him. Um, it's a, it, it a feel-good story there. The, the Braves are a feel-good story. I mean, you know, Hank Aaron passed away. Um, I saw that they won 44 games in the first half, 44 in the second half. I think they won the World Series the 44th week of the year. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that were cool, but as far as like the actual games, I wasn't really. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and that World Series talk is brought to you by who's our fake sponsor today?
1: Man, I didn't, even, I didn't even think to bring one to the table. Um, yeah, neither did I. Oh, he blew this one. He blew it. Anyway. Speaking uh, of, of, of blowing, um, our new sponsor. <laughs> brought to you by uh, Husqvarna uh, yard power equipment. When you've got to blow, Husqvarna is the way to go. Is that a real thing? That's not their that's not their slogan, but that's a real company that does I I remember I used to work at like a repair shop.
0: Yeah, I w I don't know these things though. I used to work at an office supplies store. like today's bound for disappointment is brought to you by
1: Lexmark quality printers and some ink too. Some ink too. Is that is that how you 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 got your ad on sale? They're buying the printer like and some ink. They they like you got like penalized
0: if you sold a printer and didn't get them to buy ink. And then it was like really annoying because it's like then the, the companies like start started giving them like full cartridges and it's like okay we'll do this guy's buying a four hundred dollar printer he's not gonna buy a hundred dollars of ink whenever it comes with the ink and they they want us to sell usb cables um but then they started including usb cables with the printer and it's like well we have gold-plated usb cables that are faster I'm like what does that even mean what do you mean it's faster like what the what the like is that that, that place infuriated me that that company man is slowly going down the drain. So that's what they get. How did that make you feel? Pretty good, honestly. Like, I mean, I, I knew it was going to happen. So it's, you kind of have that satisfaction that you're going to be right. I mean, you get a little bit of that. I mean, I feel bad if people still work there, but like, people should have got out. Like, I, I told people, you got to get out of here. Like, this is a sinking ship. We're on the Titanic. And, you know, and it, you know, I was right. So, um, but looking at the Padres, looking going into their offseason, um, I don't know how to feel. Um, I'm trying to think of, of, of how to put this. Like when, when the season ended, uh, I've been a Padres fan for, you know, 20, really 27, 28 years. Um, I think the first year I, I followed the team and knew what was going on and call myself an actual fan was like 1994 which is a strike short short year right and most of the most of our lives as Padres fans you know we were used to this garbage teams and so this team we thought would be a little bit more fun to watch um the the, the way the year ended and everything that happened just kind of really left a really bad taste in my mouth as a fan and just as somebody who's who's followed this team and i was just kind of like i just kind of wanted like i was really happy with baseball ended i was like all right we I need to cut the cord, um, a little bit, and just kind of looking at how that offseason progressed. You know, we we the Padres were reshuffling guys in the system, and nothing really seemed like there was going to be a lot of change. It just seemed like just kind of a, you know re- taking your furniture and, and just putting it in a different spot in your living room. Well, it's the same furniture. Um, that's kind of how it felt. But then the managerial hire came. I kind of expected it to go in a few different ways, but then Bob Melvin comes in and it's kind of, like it made me think of that line. It's like, just when I'm out, they pull me back in. I don't know how you felt about it, but that was, that was kind of the first thought that I had in my mind.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I think it's kind of like the um, dumb and dumber, like just when I, when I thought, you know, things could get worse. You go out and do something like this totally redeem yourself. Exactly. Like, it, yeah, like, it just felt, I mean, like, the, the public opinion, I mean, obviously, public opinion can turn on a dime. But public opinion, for the most part, for well over a year, was just anointing A.J. Preller as this genius god general manager that was destined to take the Padres to the promised land. And after the trade deadline, it just swung to A.J. Preller as an egotistical moron. Who is not you know like everyone was just out there like oh my god I can't believe he he pulled the wool over our eyes and he betrayed us and and then he goes out and it starts with Niebla and I mean people th- there were people frustrated about Niebla because he got hired before the manager but we don't even really I don't even know the full timeline um, but the bottom line is I don't think it really matters with a pitching coach you basically you, you interview people and you're like we got we got Ruben Niebla who is considered one of the best pitching instructors in the game and you take it or leave it. I mean, I'm cool with that. But then, yeah, for Melvin to pop in, like, honestly, I was pretty hard on the Ozzie Ginn train for a minute because I just thought, like, one, it's kind of cool that he started out there. You know, he was a Las Vegas star. He got traded. Two, he's got success as a manager. You're talking about going from someone, you know, all these new managers to someone who's been there, done that. And I thought, it was, I thought it would have been pretty cool to have a Latino manager on a team. The best players are Latino. You know, I think there could have been some point of relatability there. Um, and he was an infielder. you talk about, you know, your two best players are playing right there on in the infield. Uh, he was a shortstop. Uh, he knew Manny. You know, his kid played with Manny in some tournaments. So I, there's a lot of positives I was there with. And definitely he would have made things exciting from a, I guess, from like a PR standpoint. But the three things against Ozzy in my mind were like, one, what if he does or says something that's a distraction to the team? Two, he's been away from the game for a long time. I think he's been away from the game longer than, uh, he's it's, been, like, it's been like what? Since 2012, I believe. Yeah. And so it's longer than La Russa. And three, there's just something about a manager who's already won a world series. Cause it's really rare to go do it again with another team. Um, so those were three things where I was like, you know, love Ozzy. I think it'd be really cool. I'm not sure about those. Melvin knocks all those out. He has not won the World Series as a manager. He's like the last manager who's going to do or say something that's going to be a distraction to the team. And he was managing a month ago. <laughs> so it's um, – and, and the, the only thing that I, – I think the only thing you can knock Bob Melvin on – is that there's the postseason success. And it's debatable on whether that's his fault or not. I mean, these Oakland rosters are not overflowing with talent. Um, They are talented. They're on a very strict budget. So you either have to look at it as he's been, you know, getting the absolute best out of a roster that's maybe not that good, or you're looking at the roster is really, really good, and he's underperforming, which I don't think is it. Because, you know, the A's had Art Howe, and Art Howe was probably the closest they got to the World Series. Um, and then they went to, uh, I think they went straight to Ken Maka and Ken Maka did pretty good. Uh, and they went to Bob Guerin and Bob Guerin didn't do very well at all. And one of the reasons why Garen got fired was a lack of communication, players feeling disrespected by not being you know clarified on the role. They didn't feel like Guerin was direct and real with them, which sounds kind of like what just happened to the Padres and garen was replaced by melvin in like june of that season melvin had been working in the front office with the diamondbacks cuz he he was uh, he was not managing at that time he can't stepped into the job he got the full time job after the season and ever since then I mean, he has the most wins in oakland history so billy bean obviously thinks a whole lot of him and i mean he did with that team things that garen and other people who are decently regarded coaches couldn't do. So I have no reservations about Melvin. I don't see how, I mean, is it going to be any worse? No. And do I think Melvin was better than any other candidate that was actively discussed? Yeah, I do. And I'm not saying that Melvin's a better manager than Bruce Bochy, but I think Bob Melvin's a better manager for the San Diego Padres in 2022 than Bruce Bochy.
0: It's funny. Um, I, I was listening to, to Dave and Jeff the other day and they, when Melvin got hired, they did their first podcast after. And basically said that Melvin is Bob Melvin is Marty Schottenheimer, which I think is kind of unfair because I think, I think it's really hard to compare postseasons, you know, in baseball and football. Uh, Cause I, I, feel like the, like in football, I feel like the, the coat, the head coach and the coordinators have such a bigger impact on the game than, than a baseball manager does. And so, the thing that like kind of infuriated me about their take is that they also said that like people are saying that Bob Melvin checks all the boxes. Well, he doesn't check every box. He's never won a World Series. But it's like, what they are basically opining for is that it should have been Bruce Bochy who got the call. Um, and we, who knows if Bruce Bochy was even a candidate? No, I don't think that's ever been reported or le- leaked that I'm aware of. And so there's kind of this debate on that they should have gotten somebody better than Bob Melvin. And I'm like, if, if I knew that Bob Melvin was available from, from the get go, that probably would have been my number one choice. Like, no disrespect to Bochi. Like I, I if Bochi got hired, I probably would be really excited too. Um, but bochi has been away from the game. And if you, if you take Bochi's like record, I mean, Bochi has a losing record as a manager. Granted, it's not his entire fault, but you know, he kind of, fizzled out in, in, in San Francisco a little bit for whatever reason. I know they're in a transition, so you can't blame him. But, you know, Bob Melvin is a, is a guy that I think what you, what we saw at least from the outside looking at is we saw a team that didn't respect um, Tingler for whatever reason. I think, you know, the, the kind of theory that I've drawn from just what's been leaked and kind of what happened with the team is that uh, AJ Preller kind of, lost uh, the clubhouse a bit with their kind of, I mean, they made three trades, but they they didn't make the the big trade or the trade for this thing that they actually needed deadline. And I think a lot of veterans in that clubhouse were expecting reinforcements, especially on the pitching side and it never came. And so I think at that point in time, preller lost the clubhouse and ting and then tingler lost the clubhouse. Cause it's kind of a guilty by association thing. That's kind of what I think happened. I, I don't know that for a fact. Um, I'm, I'm just speculating obviously, but I think with, with, with Melvin, he's going to bring instant credibility where I, you know, the, the fear for me is like, I not that I'm opposed to a rookie manager because you could hire a great guy who's never been a manager before, but I think this team for the veteran the the mix of veterans that we think that they're going to have and, and no, you know we don't know what's going to happen in the off season obviously but um for the collection of you know for the collection of players that they have bringing Melvin in and he's going to give them instant credibility he's going he's going to bring okay like this is a guy we hired like we we can we can we can f with this guy like he's going to he's going to be able to communicate and he's going to kind of be able to, to control a veteran clubhouse. And, you know, there's, there's some reports that the clubhouse environment was, was poor. Um, Again, you know, those are things that have been leaked, you know, by media. I I, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but I think him coming in, I, I think what you said was really right is he's maybe not the best candidate overall, maybe you could make an argument for a or or, um, you know, for Mike Schilt, who's also had some success. Um, but I think for this team and, and what they need, I think Bob Melvin, like that is an A plus higher, in my opinion. It really changed my whole perception of this off season. And just, just
1: one, one move. It, it does. And I think one important thing is that I think, I think you feel reassured in your, your mind that one, the team's still on the same plan, like the, the, the they're going to shuffle some things in development. They're going to shuffle the way the pitchers are handled, which is great. And they're going to shuffle the, the main voice in the dugout, but the goal is still the same. And I think one thing that reassures me is that Bob Melvin could have walked into pretty much any opening and said, I want this job. And they would have said, cool, thanks. I mean, obviously you could have the Mets job, um, I think it's very possible he could have had the Yankees job um, if he had gone for it. Um, he, he had that, that chance before they hired Boone. Um, with Boone being a free agent, you know, his contract coming up, I think it's possible that he could have come for that job if he really wanted to. Uh, it would have been a big story. But I think, you know, for Melvin to come to the Padres, from an A's team that's doing well, obviously they're going into – Uh, something that's going to – maybe you look like a fire sale. Uh, But he's coming to the Padres to win. And I don't think Bob Melvin – I don't think he's the kind of guy that looks at that situation and just comes for the money. He's making the same money just about that he made in Oakland. Um, So it's not like – it's not like they threw some stupid Raiders John Gruden contract at Bob Melvin to make him come to the Padres. He wanted to come. And that's reassuring to me. Like – after after the way last this last season went, if he thinks the, the team is where he wants to be, I feel a lot better. Yeah,
0: and, and I think that's kind of what a lot of us fear. And I think a lot of people were joking, but they weren't joking at the same time, where they're assuming that the manager um, f- coming from the, the, the Potters are going to hire is gonna, was going to have some type of Texas Rangers tie where is it going to be you know i joked around early on and jeff bit and said jeff banister i don't know if he was ever an actual um, uh, if he's actual like a, a candidate at any point in time but um, what was crazy to me is that uh it going with this <laughs> i just had a brain fart um, but yeah i i think people assumed the worst, like it was going to be some, some nobody that we've never heard of. There was going to be some uh, minor league manager, maybe in a system or something. And for them to go out and kind of get a big fish, um, it really kind of confirmed a couple of things for me because I, what we heard early on in the off season. Um, and I think a lot of people were disappointed is when Peter Seidler kind of came out and publicly said, yeah, like AJ's our guy. This is the guy we're gonna go with. This is gonna be who we, you know, who we who we're gonna ride with. I have a lot of confidence in him. Personally, like seeing that the hire that AJ ultimately made, I kind of wonder if the behind the scenes conversation was a little bit different. Because again, I, I could be completely off base on this theory, but it's like if if you're in a position where you have this this job security he has five years left on this deal, but your boss is kind of breathing down your neck and is telling you like, yo, like you got to get this higher rider, <laughs> you know, you're going to be more likely to kind of go with a safer, bigger name, like a Bob Melvin than taking another shot on like a Will Venable or, you know, whomever else, you know, a, a first time Andrew is thrown out there. So it kind of made me think that maybe AJ doesn't have as much security as was reported. And this is, you know, and, and that could be a good thing because I think, you know, when you, you you compare you pair the hiring of Melvin with Niebla and what Niebla's track record says, um, those two hires now. You know, we obviously have to fill. He has to fill out the staff. We have to kind of see what's going to happen there. But those two hires, right off the bat, it sounds like they're going to keep Ben Fritz in the in the bullpen uh, position, which I think is is fine. Um, and then you know, obviously they got to get a bench coach bench coach base coaches and Ryan Flaherty, I guess is going to stay on the staff as well. So you got to see what they, what they do. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm ready to be all back in on AJ, but I think, um, for the flaws that were exposed in 2021, I think he's done a good job of, of trying to, to pick up the pieces. I would say.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I mean, you make an interesting theory. I'm not sure if, I mean, do you not pursue Bob Melvin at any point? I don't think that, I don't know. I don't think that's true. But But, I
0: mean, they had other managers in the last two time. the last two go arounds, Um, you know, Ron Washington was a candidate that had kind of a similar, I mean, obviously there's some personal stuff and, and you know demons and and things they had you know that that ron washington came with um you know with the drug abuse and different things so it's probably not saying that they're apples to apples comparison between washington and melvin but washington in my opinion a couple years ago was the much safer pick he's a guy that's been the two world series and has been a coach for you know he's been in baseball for like what 45 years or something crazy like that i mean the guy is a lifer and then you go and you hire Jace Tingler, who I don't even think he was in his like late 30s when he took this job, and it was just kind of this unknown guy that people, you know, st- still think that he could be a good manager someday. Maybe, and maybe he can be. Um, you know, he's one of the few Padres managers that had a winning record, so you, it's kind of hard to completely write him off and say that he was like this huge disaster. I mean, it obviously didn't work out, but um, I, I don't know the answer to that. It's just like kind of a theory I had because I think you've kind of taken a risk the last two times that maybe he's learned from those mistakes and said, Hey, like I've taken chances on the kind of these unheralded guys and I need to kind of go out there and find a, you know, an established manager that has a proven track record. And he got a guy, you know, and Bob Eldon, I think has managed like 2000 games in the big leagues. Um, and none of, none of them were in his mind. They were all like on the field. So um, the experience factor is, is is massive and so i think you know i'm someone like i personally have been very critical of the job he did this year where i went into the trade deadline saying that you had to come away with at least two starting pitchers like i didn't even care who they were like you just need arms you need somebody healthy that's not a corpse that'll be able to go out there and pitch like a four and a half era and give you five innings every time every time out that's literally all I want. I wasn't saying you had to go out there and get Jose Barrios or, or go out there and get Max Scherzer. And the thing that like is really frustrating about it is you look what the Braves did. I mean, the Braves made didn't make a huge splash, but they went out and they made a series of like they their outfield just got obliterated. Acuna went down. Um, Ozuna had that horrible domestic violence case that's still um, pending and or whatever's going on with that. It's still, it's a mess. I don't know what's going to happen with that. And then so they go out there and they, you know, they get Adam Duvall from the Marlins and they didn't give up a lot to get him. They go out and get Eddie Rosario from the Indians and they didn't give up a lot to get him. And they got Jock Peterson from, I believe, the Cubs. And they gave up some 23 year old first baseman that was hitting like 207 and high A. And they rebuilt their outfield and they made a bunch of small little moves. And I think, yeah, the, the Scherzer tease was really just that whole situation was just a gigantic kick to the crotch. But had the Padres gone out, and again, a hindsight being 2020, but had they gone out and acquired, let's say, like John Lester, and had they gone out and acquired, um, you know, think of another pitcher that changed the change team that didn't get traded for a lot. I think that team maybe ho- ho- holds on because you look at the Braves. I mean, the Braves were not, they were the, they're probably the worst team of the five in the playoffs. I, they may even have the worst record. Um, the Cardinals got really hot at the end, and the Dodgers and Giants won 108 games apiece, and the Brewers were, I think, 97, 98 wins. The Braves, on paper, were the worst team going into the playoffs, but they made moves to kind of shore up some some positions. So who's to say that had the Padres acquired you know John Lester and J.A. Happ like the, the Cardinals did, or had they gone out, and they got just you know a B-level pitcher, somebody, anybody. I was like, you just, just got to get bodies. Well, um, and they could have used a power bat, too, and, and they come away with Jake Mariznick, who like had absolutely no business being on their roster, no disrespect to him, but like he didn't fit. They didn't play him. And he gave up an Anderson Espinosa, who may never be anything, but he's a 23-year-old lottery ticket. You spent five years developing this guy, and you flip him for Mariznick. You're not picking up his option. So that trade didn't work out. Daniel Hudson, I would have interest in re-signing him because I think he's better than he pitched down the stretch, but that trade didn't work out. Um, i don't have a problem so much with that trade i mean you gave up a, a couple of guys and that you know Mason Thompson who's an interesting prospect but i don't know if his if his control is ever going to be good enough for him to be a viable option and Yorny barley is probably not going to make the majors at any point in time i mean he's just he's he's toolsy um he's got a lot of tools and he's he's exciting but he strikes out you know too much and is a little bit erratic but my point being is that you the Padres could have i mean they were in the driver's seat to make the playoffs and they just that where I think is a failure is because you knew that just physically they didn't have like it wasn't about like hey maybe like they just didn't have the bodies like there was no viable way that that rotation was going to hold up. You didn't have reinforcements in the minors, you didn't have people coming back from injury that you could depend on because everybody's out for the season. Everybody's arm exploded, and I think for me that's kind of where that's where a lot of the frustration internally probably came from.
1: Yeah, I mean that Braves deadline. Um it's a clinic. Go, well, they they got um they, they got Stephen Vogt to fill in for a little bit, and that's like one trade where you're like, Oh, that maybe didn't work, but they gave up nothing for him. Right. They got um they got that uh what is it, Richard Rodriguez. Right. The
0: which I don't think
1: I don't remember, I don't remember he got hurt, right? I think he got hurt, and uh they gave they gave up a couple of kind of decent prospects for him, but he's under team control. But those outfielders, salaire um Rosario
0: was the other guy that's right yeah
1: and um Peterson for Peterson like you said they gave up a guy who's too old and single a doesn't hit um for Soler they gave up a 23 year old single a reliever who doesn't have much of a ceiling he's not on their top 30 and for Rosario they gave up Pablo Sandoval's contract just to swap the money and Sandoval got immediately cut and none of those guys have a guaranteed contract beyond this season um there's a there's a mutual option for peterson and uh, i know duvall is uh Duval opted out but he's still um he still could come back they could bring the all those guys back eligible, if they wanted yeah. to yeah they can let those guys walk nothing they did literally nothing they did at the deadline has any lasting impact on anything they're doing except maybe if one of the prospect pitchers they gave the pittsburgh develops
0: and That's it doesn't a- really matter because honestly if i make a trade at the deadline, like. The, the Royals in 2015 traded Sean Manea to, to the A's for, for Ben Zobris. And yeah, the Royals probably would have loved to have that guy in the rotation, but Ben Zobris is a big part of why they won the, won the World Series. You win the World Series? You get like you could right now tell me, Kevin, we're going to guarantee the Potters won the World Series, but you have to trade C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel, Luis Campisano, and two of your other top guys tomorrow. If that guaranteed a World Series victory, even if like the next five years were garbage, I'd do it in a second. Um, that's obviously the tricky part is there are no guarantees, obviously, in what you do. And if you make the wrong move, it can really have a lasting impact in your in your organization. I mean, think about the Padres and how much better they rotate. I mean, it's hindsight. And I know it's stupid to, to even talk about it. But I mean, having Max Freed in their rotation, man, would be, would be
1: mighty nice. Well, it, what I think is crazy is, um, yeah, having Max free in the rotation would be nice. But what I think is crazy is I'm not discounting advanced stats. I'm not at all. You know, I, I analytics are cool. I understand what they're doing. But I like I, numbers. You, you like numbers, I know. You like Nickelback and numbers. Six um, is my favorite number. I don't know if you knew that or not. I think it's in your Instagram username, isn't it?
0: I think so, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't even remember why it's in there. But that's probably why. Why do you mean you don't remember why? You just said your favorite number. Because I couldn't be cage charity, so I just picked the number. I think I just happened to pick six. I don't remember. I made that count like ten years ago.
1: Okay. Who cares? I'm, I'm I'm feeling a strange dissonance between your favorite number and why you used your favorite number. But anyway, I don't know why. Anyway. Uh, so you think about the reaction when the Cardinals traded for. For Happ and, and Lester. And you think about um, when Atlanta traded for a whole new outfield, and everybody laughed and they said, "You know, Jock Peterson's barely worth more than uh, replacement value. Uh, Happ and Lester aren't going to be worth enough wins, basically, to get the Cardinals into the playoffs. Um, nothing the Braves did will move the needle." So. I think, if anything, we've learned I, – I mean, you have to temper everything. You, and, and to say baseball is not played on a stat sheet is – I don't want to be – I mean, we we saw the, the Union Tribune today do the – we don't know wheel, what OPS means. I don't want to – We'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that. I'm not that guy. But maybe we need to look at things a little bit more critically because when people say like, oh, what the Cardinals did in that rotation doesn't – Move the needle. Moving the needle isn't just your own performance in a team sport because what what those Cardinals pitchers did was they kept the bullpen from going haywire, and they got to do all their normal roles, and they got to, to um, have, have have things kind of stable. Right. And it's that's exactly what they themselves. did. Yeah. And then the the, the Braves, those outfielders, they. They got things done in ways where, you know, Snicker was able to move them around, platoon them, however he had to do things, and they got hot at the right time. That always helps too. But they were obviously better than just going, well, we're just going to call someone up from AAA and hope for the best, or we're just going to find someone on the waiver wire who's a minimum deal. So maybe maybe there's more value in picking up guys at the deadline than we've been kind of giving credit to because we sit there and we look at a number and we go, uh, yeah, Jay habs not going to move the needle. Well, he did in a way that – doesn't always show up
0: yeah and and i think that the argument that i always made is that like the padres like yeah would it be nice to get a difference maker 100 but you you had a rotation that you know it it, it reminded me a lot of like the simpsons episode where you know with the the softball where mr burns goes out and recruits all these superstar baseball players and by the end of the end of the day daryl strawberry is the only one left and that's kind of what happened with the Potter's rotation. You went into the year thinking, okay, damn, we got Mike Clevenger, or not Mike Clevenger, he was he was hurt, but we have Blake Snell, you have you Darvish, you have Joe Musgrove, who's gonna be like your number four, you have Danelson Lamette, who we think maybe he would be healthy or not. We were kind of holding our breath. And you know, you you looked at that 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 rotation and you're like, damn, okay, we there there's a lot to like there. And Darvish was Terrible in the second half of the season, had some back issues. Blake Snell was terrible for most of the year. Caught fire, looked like Blake Snell of old, and then got hurt. And then so by the end of the year, you're sitting there like, okay, you have Joe Musgrove, Chris Paddock is hurt. We don't know what's going on with him. He could be need Tommy John. He could have had Tommy John for all we know. Uh, we'll probably find out when he when he posts a picture on Instagram. That's how everybody's going to find out. Um, you know, he's had some elbow injuries. That, that's not always an ominous sign. Denelson Lament gave you nothing. I'm at the point where you might have to not tender him. And there, there was nothing left. You had Ryan Weathers, who hurt his leg and was pitching through that. Um, probably needed more seasoning in the minor leagues. Mackenzie Gore wasn't ready to give you anything. And so you look at some of the guys that, that pitched meaningful innings last year, like Daniel Camarina and Nick Ramirez. And the depth was, was, was lacking. And they could have got some extra depth. I mean, no, like, would I give up two top 50 guys for Jose Barrios? Like, I think making that trade not making that trade was probably the right move in my opinion i i don't think that they could have beat the package ultimately i mean they could have i, I suppose that they wanted to include abrams in that deal which I, I wouldn't be in favor of but that wasn't that wasn't what i was shooting for i was looking at the, the those mid-rotation guys tyler anderson's another guy that went to the mariners like you just needed guys that were going to go out there and just basically not let their pants fall down and that's ultimately what costs the team. And so I think, um, and you know, a lot of, I don't know what's going to happen with this off season. This off season, I think is going to be arguably one of the most fascinating in Padres history. Um, And we'll talk about it probably, you know, as we get closer um, to things actually happening, if they are going to happen with the the CBA expiring at the end of this month, but or the beginning of December, I I guess it is December 1st, but you don't, we don't really know like are the Padres gonna go deeper and spend more money you know because they need a left fielder um for sure um they want to move Hosmer and Myers that's clear whether that's possible or not who knows um I was reading an article in the MLB uh, I think it was on MLB.com about trade candidates in the offseason that Hosmer might actually be tradable if they come out the salary floor. Um, I don't necessarily buy that, but I think Myers would be, I think Myers becomes instantly tradable. If teams like the Baltimore Orioles just need to spend $40 million, but they're not necessarily ready to, to give a guy a multi-year deal. It's kind of like becomes like an expiring contract in the NBA. Kind of, I I think Myers can get moved, but even then, okay. If you trade Myers and who's playing right field. So now you open up another hole. Now maybe you're saying, Hey, for $20 million, we can fill both those holes, which, you know, I, I can buy that. But, um, you know, the team needs it to acquire some type of starting pitching. They can get creative. Maybe they can find a guy that's controllable that doesn't make a ton of money uh, to kind of fill in that back half of the rotations. I think you you got your top of the rotation set already. Um, And I think, you know, the bullpen too, you just lost Melanson. Maybe you bring him back, but um, they brought back Stamman and and Pierce Johnson, which I think were were both good moves. They're no brainer moves to, to pick up those options.
1: You know, you guys. You
0: have guys like Jose Castillo, who's never healthy. You don't know what you're getting from him. I think he had TJ actually, so I don't know if he's if he's going to be on the shelf or not, if he's going to be on the shelf the whole year. Um, so you got a lot of you know you have a lot of openings on, on your roster, and then you got some other places where you know if assuming Tatis plays short, you have Cronenworth and you have Kim, and then you also have Machado. So you have not enough places there. You have Hosmer, who you hope to I think the Padres would love nothing more than to trade him and get that money off the books. If they could get that that 40 million off the books, that would be massive obviously. then they could have they could do a lot this off season. but I just uh, you're kind of at a point like I, I just my, my question is I'm not saying that the I think the Padres ownership, Peter Seidler and the group have done a great job in terms of spending the money. But you have to kind of assume, and I was listening to Ben and Woods the other day, like, you know, like like Ben said, like you have to assume at some point that like the resources are, are finite and that they're not just gonna keep maybe they will keep throwing money at it and they'll still go out there and they'll make another big splash and they'll they'll go out and sign Nick Castellanos or, or somebody like that. Um, and give somebody another, you know, another nine figure deal, you know, high eight figure deal. Um, I just don't think those moves are necessarily on the horizon personally, and then maybe those aren't the moves they need to make. I mean just looking at the Braves, I mean, any one of those outfielders fits into the Padres' picture. I mean, Jose Jorge Soler probably raised his stock to the point where he's probably going to get a multi-year deal. Um, Where I think coming into that this offseason, had he not had that big playoffs, he's probably looking at a one-year prove it deal. So um, it's 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 going to be really fascinating to see what they do.
1: Yeah, I, I saw that salary floor thing, and honestly, with Hosmer's salary being. It it decreases towards the end. Um, The deal is a little front loaded with the universal DH. You could see a a poverty franchise thinking, Hey, if we just bring in a guy who is a mediocre value at DH and it keeps us at the floor, we'll just take on the contract and we'll toss a a lottery ticket to the Padres. I, I could, could see it. Like, I mean, and I just – my whole thing is
0: I don't want to give up Robert Hassel to get his ass off the, con, uh, off the team. I, well, I,
1: I, I, I don't want that to happen. Of course not. I'm saying it's possible they might even get like a, a token lottery ticket back without having to put anyone with hot.
0: Trade to the Cubs for Owen Cassidy. How about that? Um
1: oh. done. Oh, no, Owen's, uh, Owen's a good ball player. Um, yeah, Myers is more tradable, but that outfield market is so stupid right now. The problem is it's going to be too hard to replace him. Like you're going to be throwing money at Cole Calhoun – when you'd rather have Marte, but Marte is going to clean up out there. I would assume so. I mean, the only
0: thing that Marte has that's against him, I think he's like almost 33. Yeah. Um, If he were 29,
1: he'd be getting probably $150 easy. I mean, it's probably going to be like a three-year deal, but he's going to be up. And the outfield market is stupid right now. Like Tommy Pham's probably going to get a contract somewhere, like a one-year deal, um, even though he's just – I mean the I'm just gonna, say
0: what you're gonna say. <laughs> I have a take and don't suck. Come on, Mark. You know the rules. Jesus Christ, what? Have um, a take and don't suck. Where's that where'd that come from? From from Jim Rome.
1: Oh, I don't know anything about Jim Rome other than have him. a take
0: and don't suck. Haven't you ever listened to Jim Rome before? No.
1: Yeah. I used to barely. So the thing with Tommy Fam is um I'd love to know who's like representing Tommy Fam in any way like doing any His situation. agent take a lot mean like back. you mean like his agent yeah like people like that because because like here you have a guy who uh here's a guy you know fam had like one he had one year at the cardinal that really stood out i was like damn that's a solid outfielder and the other years were like that's a pretty good outfielder and but we're you know everyone's really excited because he gets on base and that's something the Padres were all flat and he's just been except for like one month He's just been hot garbage, but he kept going like, okay, he. he I, I was saying this, he got stabbed, he got COVID. He, even though he showed up at the ballpark the next day when he had COVID, uh, but he got stabbed, and all these things have happened to him. And when you look at that, like his crazy stuff, you're just like, well, he's just, you know, he's a little different, but he wants to win really bad. But then, like, the guy was the guy had such a bad year that he was talking about maybe coming back to the Padres when you know the Padres aren't going to offer him anything substantial, but he's like, Hey, you know, I like it here enough. Maybe I'll come back on like a small deal and, you know, try to prove it. And then he goes out and just fires off a meme degrading Mexican people. I, you know, you talk about someone like, like is it shooting yourself in the foot to get stabbed outside of a nightclub, as far as I know, no, because as far as we know, he didn't do anything to provoke that. That was a bad stroke of luck. Cover was a bad stroke of luck, but if he if he ends up not getting a deal with the Padres, if he ends up moving on to a situation that could be even worse for him, it could be because of what he did on Instagram. That's shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, he straight up. I mean, there was like a picture of the dude wearing like the like a big gaudy sombrero. And yeah. It, it was shitty. It was, it was a really shitty thing for him to post. It was a really shitty thing to post, and 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 I think I'm not saying like, you know, I never like to really talk about what you should watch this as if like you know, you know, you feel a different way, but don't put it out there because that's what a lot of people say about, you know, they, they said about athletes, but I would think that if you if you lived for the season at least, if you lived in San Diego, I think you would have a little bit more sensitivity to border issues, to issues facing latinos and mexican-americans and everything else i think you'd you know you'd be able to see like you know we live you know san diego is a border community it's like it's it's not dissimilar to el paso where you know tijuana is in the metropolitan area parts of mexico in the san diego metropolitan area and you just went out and just shat on them i mean i'd be like um, it, it's a, I think it's a, it's a more sensitive issue right now because of the exact issue he was talking about. But I mean, that's like, you know, you're, you're, you're playing in Buffalo and you're going to crap on Canadians. They're right there. You know, or Detroit, right. like that, like, those are your neighbors and, um, the lack of awareness from that dude constantly, you know what, if he believes that he wants to say it, that's his right. And that's something that, you know, everyone's, you know, everyone's always, always bitching about freedom of speech. And, ah, freedom. Yeah. He has the freedom to say what he wants. And we have the freedom to say he's a piece of shit for it. And an employer has the right to say, I don't want to hire him for it. So there you go. He has his freedom. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot of us spent well over a year defending Tommy Pham and saying, like, it's going to come. He's an intense guy. I said it. So, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, the acting the acting out is just say he's a competitive guy. And then you can do something like that. And it's just, you know, get the hell off my team. Yeah, I
0: don't, I don't know what the hell he was thinking doing that. Like, I don't i don't think he even realized that like people were pissed about it nor did he care i think it's just i don't think he he, he, well he's obviously like i mean he's posted th- he, the things he's posted in memes would, would lead you to believe that um if you're looking at kind of from a political spectrum he's obviously somebody who's on the right side which to be to be honest like if you're somebody that makes a lot of money i kind of get it why you wouldn't want to pay higher taxes if you make you know, seven million or eight million dollars, whatever he makes. Um, I, I understand it. So I mean I'm not gonna like throw him under the bus for that, but to kind of go towards the really terrible stereotype of of that political you know, realm is with kind of the misogyny and the and the racism and to kind of post something that can is obviously, you know, you saw people on Twitter posts about it, people that were, that were Mexican and it's deeply offensive and it's perpetuating that stereotype. And you know, the, I remember going to a party a few years ago and um, girlfriend at the time, like like her parents and a couple of other people dressed up in that stereotypical, like Mexican garb (laughs) with the fake mustaches and the sombreros and the ponchos. And it's just like, this is embarrassing. I don't even want to be here. Like I'm embarrassed just looking at you. And so I think it just, cause you know, that's one of the things I've learned over the last few years is that I used to perpetuate st- stereotypes as much as anybody. And then you kind of see how people are actually affected by it. And you're like, this is really terrible. And I think that, you know, there's probably, you know, he's somebody who spoke out about people hurling racial slurs at him and doing things like that at him. And it's, That's awful. Like anybody that does that, like should be banned for life from, you know, you direct a racial slur at somebody or say, even say it in a stadium, like you're 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 gone. And for somebody to have to not have a little bit more sensitivity towards that is a little to me, it's off putting. Um, and I think I don't I don't think there's any chance he's coming back. I mean, even on a minor league deal or something. I I just don't I don't I don't foresee it. What I did find while while you were speaking, this is something that maybe we can do. Um a website called AthleteSpeakers.com, and we can book Tommy Pham for our next event. It could be a virtual meeting or it could be public speaking. So, um you could uh pay him for a speaking engagement and ask him what the heck he was thinking. So, um,
1: I think I'm good on that. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, we got some really. Like, <laughs> you want to book Wally Joiner? Actually, I would love to book Wally Joiner. Yeah. So Wally Joiner. Why do you just say beat- Wally Joiner? 'Cause he like popped up on this on the thing of like people that you could get. But his right. his his fee range is five to ten thousand dollars for him to come out and wow. like speak. Yeah. Our, a lot. Um we got new... Greg Vaughn here. What do you think Greg Vaughn costs? Has he got a fee range?
1: Oh it doesn't uh, say our, our new uh sponsor, Durex, only pays us three thousand a show, so I don't think we can afford Wally Joiner. No. Uh what about Kyle
0: Loesch? Got any desire to, to have Kyle Loesch?
1: No, what what's like the cheapest player they have? Do they have like Paul Fairies or or uh, um, do they have like? Uh...
0: Yeah, well, the cheapest like range they have is like five to ten
1: thousand. What? So what? yeah, see, they well, should do like they should do like cameo where where it's like five thousand for Tommy Pham, but if I want to hit up Phil Plantier, maybe it's like a grand, and if I want to hit up like uh, uh, Dave Staten, maybe it's like eight dollars. We could do a whole got... Dave Staten. You could do Billy Ribkin, who's in the five
0: to ten thousand dollar range. Oh,
1: no, no. Durex only pays us three thousand, Kevin. We need to, we can't get some, we we, we we pocket that money for frivolous things. Well, maybe we
0: could like talk him down, like, hey, I know it says five thousand, but we only got
1: three. Would you take it? Well, I, I, I want to do like cameo where you get like the the stupidest, like, I want a guy who played like two games to the Padres. I want Jason Thompson, I want him for like five bucks for like the whole night. I want Glenn Dishman. For like the whole night i want like night. i want like three hours where they have oh, to is that, sit there he's, he's not an there. escort i mean no i'm not t- i'm not talking about you know you know the, the, any any you know peripherals that's optional otherwise what we're doing is illegal what i'm talking about is three hours i having to talk about nickelback and tommy fan being a racist and whatever else we talk about and they just have to be there the whole time because we pay them the eight dollars we, the $5,000 range, they, they're able to turn people down. They're going to be like, no, I want someone who's like a D-list former Padre. I want like like Dave Staten or Mel. I want Melvin Nieves so I can – three hours of me talking about him ruining my childhood and I hope he feels really bad about it. Or like Roberto Pettigini or uh, um, Guillermo Velasquez or um, – I'm just going off like I'm like I'm like flipping through like the '92 top set in my mind. I, I want like Kurt Stillwell. He was supposed to actually be pretty good, and he like had like a 6.52 OPS or something. Craig like, Shipley. I just... Shipley's actually out here in Phoenix. I thought um, he was. He wasn't a terrible ball player though. But I just I just Fred want, like a... what's the second
0: Jeff Gardner? The second Jeff Gardner? Reason? Yeah, yeah. Jeff Gardner. yeah.
1: I just want like obscure former Padres to sit here for three hours and deal with our shit. That's what I want. That's the goal. You, sh- you should have gone recruiting at the Ben and Woods Open. I didn't go to that. I don't play golf. I know you didn't go to the Ben and Woods Open. I didn't see you in the majestic photographs. And I would have gone, I mean, I gone and hung out, but I don't know if that was allowed. I don't know how to play golf. I don't know. That, I think so. I mean, I, I, I like Corey. And, and it's still uh, COVID. I mean, I don't, you know. <laughs> I, like, I like how I just tell you you should have gone to something. It's still COVID.
0: Well, it's like, I don't know if like, I don't know what the, what the protocol is. If you just show up there like, Hey, I'm not here to play. I'm just going to hang out. You're vaccinated.
1: People watch. And you can French kiss whoever you want. That's how they do it at, at, at my house. Your, your party of one. Well, hopefully a party. of two, Kevin. You want to be, you want to swing by?
0: That's um, like a six hour drive and it's one in the morning. So no, not really.
1: I know. I'm, I I know how long that drive is because I've made i made the mistake of dipping into the dating pool in San Diego already. I'd
0: I'd, I'd fall asleep and uh and end up I I probably pass out somewhere in the freeway going towards Yuma. So, bro, would we you, should get wrong gant wrong well, gant, wrong ant's on the site. Let's get wrong you, gant.
1: Would you wake up with a date shake? Uh
0: no, that sounds disgusting. I you know
1: the I was gonna do it the last time I drove, but the place closes early apparently. Like what a you know we 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 like the joke. I know David J likes to throw out the jokes that only the boomers like to get a date shake, but apparently it's true because I couldn't get one at like eight o'clock at night. So um,
0: I, I I I we drove past that like when I went with with Ben a few years ago, but I was like I wasn't. I mean, we stopped at Hilo Ben because I had to take a piss, but other than that, it was just it's a straight <laughs> shot. Thanks
1: for the information there.
0: Yeah, I stopped. I had to go. We went to a Burger King, and then I made the mistake of buying. I'm like, ooh, they have surge. I had surge in like 15 years, so I bought some surge, and then I had to pee again uh, in Yuma. So you sound like the the best road trip companion. You know, I think I'm a decent road trip companion. And I don't know.
1: You Could know, be I, worse. I gave you the perfect segue to joking about me getting ghosted again. And you started talking about Hila Bend. I'm a little concerned about you.
0: Well, because I. Okay, fine. You want to talk about that mother effort? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this uh, dating You you, dipping,
1: suggest, you you brought it up.
0: Dip your dip your toes in the pool. Let's talk about it. Like, what's this about? As, as Cook would say, or, I'm sorry, Geekster would say, or, or do I, what do I
1: call it? Do I call him Cook still? I, I settle with Cookster just so that there's some sort of. I'll just call him Cook. Delineation. I
0: actually know Cook, so I can call him Cook.
1: Creepy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, um there is a woman. I like how you had to be clear that it was a woman. Well, I mean it could be whatever I want it to be, but it
0: could be and I would support you because I'm a good
1: friend. <laughs> God, I'd hope so. That'd be weird. Um and it's uh, I guess you call it dating now. Semi long distance.
0: But how do you define? Like, I mean, how do you define that though? If you're not like, I mean, do you have do you have like Facetime dates where you like you guys each get like a bucket of chicken and you sit there eating the same like the same? Are you like
1: are you like living out your fantasies here in this in this question? Are you like why not? What's wrong with getting a bucket of chicken? A bucket of chicken. You don't like chicken?
0: Dude, Jollibee's got some good chicken. I can't eat that anymore, but it's good.
1: Yeah, see, we're both trying to eat better. And here you are saying, like, yeah, pop out the KFC, but um
0: KFC is yeah. not so good. I was thinking Jolly Bee, but I don't know if they have they have a Jolly Bee out there, don't they?
1: Uh I haven't seen one, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was one. Uh you, um, you gotta
0: try that weird spaghetti, man. It's
1: pretty good. Weird spaghetti. I Because uh, it's like sweet and
0: and they put little chunks of, of hot dog and ham in it. It's it's it sounds disgusting, but it's pretty dang good. That's, that's- yeah, they, they could be a potential fake sponsor for us. I'm just saying.
1: I'm not opposed to them being a sponsor. Um, yeah. Upping our, our ad budget to a full $3. Uh, yeah, no. Um, they're, um, it's, it's definitely the most successful I've been in any sort of uh, realm of luck with the ladies at this point. So of course you are um, counting down the days until you can send me the ghost gif again. So I'm real excited for that.
0: Uh, I am eagerly waiting for that day. Cause honestly, like we, we talked about this at, in our show prep uh, and uh, I'm kind of like a demon that like when Mark is miserable, I like, I get, it's like, like Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies gets power from fear. And so if you're not afraid of Freddy Krueger, he kind of disappears and goes away, and he can't hurt you. And that's kind of what happens with me is like I get power from from Mark's pain, and so I become like this powerful entity. I can like pick up like 300 pounds. Like the more miserable you get, I could go like probably like lift a car. I could probably I could probably lift a Toyota Yaris with it, it, with no. your misery.
1: No, I. I've had such a long year that by this point you should have been able to to already prove that, but, but um, I need more. <laughs> it's not enough. So yeah, I'm not satiated. You are definitely rooting for her to ghost me, and I am definitely no. Rooting I'm not really not though. because she's.
0: I mean, awesome. I am for the bit, but I'm not really.
1: Yeah, at this point, I would hope that there's not the bit because she's pretty awesome. So we'll see what happens.
0: And, and we're sure
1: that she's, like, a real human being. Yes, she's a real human being. I, I swear not, to God. i sure it, she's, like, some, like, I swear to God, if it's, cook, yeah. if it's Cook, I'm killing myself, straight up, so. I don't think, I don't, I think Cook is, he, I don't think he's that evil. No. I that's a, you just already brought up the name. I'm just, no, she's real. Um, yeah. How long have
0: you been talking to this young woman for? couple weeks couple weeks okay Well, oh, i mean if she would have ghosted you i mean it would have done it by now right i think so Didn't you said like somebody you're talking to you had a good conversation and like she's like hey, i gotta go clock into work and then like
1: you're blocked after that yeah it was the morning it was the morning of the same day where i started talking to this <laughs> yeah in the yeah so in the morning um <laughs> but i just felt myself my power
0: just like rising right now like I just I just feel like my shirt ripping <laughs> because my muscles are growing.
1: Are you looking at, like some weird <laughs> some weird Hulk fantasy over there? Or, like, no, I'd be worried. So yeah, in the morning, this girl, she's kind of cute, and she she matched with me, and she sent me like this nice on Bumble. Is this the site we're talking? Is it Bumble? This was on Match. Oh wow! And she sent me like a pretty upbeat message with some like um some emojis and shit which i normally don't get the first message so i was like oh you know she's really interested. yeah
0: never guys never get i mean at least i can speak for myself i never it was very rare i
1: usually don't get the first message so i was like cool she seems you know really interested and we kind of just had like a basic back and forth like you know yeah you like stuff i like stuff too hey look the sky sure is blue outside yeah i'm a stupid idiot too and uh yeah it was just kind of going like nice back and forth and then she was like yeah um uh, I'm clocking in the work in a little bit. And I was like, oh, where do you work? And she said she was a store manager at um, Bath and Body Works. And I was like, I hope you like candles. And <laughs> she didn't say anything back. So I was like, "Ah, oh, she clocked in. And then I just checked back on it when I was done with my shift a few hours later. And it's just gone. And not even, like, if she had just, like, deleted the app because she met the one or something, it would have said, like, profile not available. She was gone. So she blocked me. So I was literally like, like, I was like going through my head. Like, did she think I had like shitty intent by saying I would be like candles? Or like you said, was she like such a strong fan of candles, like an ardent candle supporter that me being a jackass about them just flew her off the handle? The
0: only thing that like would make sense is that like, because people like candles kind of go with sex. Where you hey we, we light the candles and da da, da, da and put on some berry White and so maybe she thought like you were trying to like insinuate I had not even thought of that 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 actually but, makes sense
1: but I, I still feel like that's a little bit of a stretch it is because now you say that I can understand where maybe that's a reality but she literally said she works at the goddamn candle store so I was just saying wow but that's Bath really- and Body
0: Works isn't really candles it's like body washes and like face scrubs and stuff they're candles I think you're thinking are you thinking like Wicks and sticks No, no, dude. Bath and Body Works. They sell candles there. I I, the only thing I ever bought there was I bought like those like bath sets for people, like you know, for like my aunt that I I know that I'm gonna see at like Christmas, and like oh here's like some a fifteen dollar basket of like some soaps and things. That's like the only thing I've ever bought there. I don't think I've ever bought
1: candles there. No, they they've gotten pretty big into candles. They do they, they do like big candle sales and stuff. So like that that's where like like now you say that I'm like maybe she did go oh what a pervert. But literally not, you know. I didn't send like eggplant emojis. I or think uh, we're gonna, you
0: a, we're gonna do a Twitter poll to kind of promote this episode, You're and right. we're gonna we're gonna get some feedback from our from our from our woman demographic. You
1: know, there is no woman demographic. <laughs> I guarantee you. I guarantee.
0: I guarantee, I guarantee you, one woman has clicked on this in our existence. At least one. Yeah, but less than fifty. Oh, we have less than fifty listeners total. Come on, man. Less than twenty. Bound for disappointment is a sausage fest. Everybody knows that, hence the name. Right. So, hey, the name says
1: it all. You're right. right. What's the Twitter poll?
0: If saying to a woman that works at Bath and Body Works as a response, and you ask her how she works, and I'd obviously clean this up and make it, you know, a sentence or two, is saying "I hope you like candles" a creepy thing to say? I say it's not. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I could see it like in some weird, tw- it's being twisted cool. around, but like kind of knowing you, how you have conversation, like, I don't think that there was any intent. Obviously she doesn't know that like, again, but like, I don't
1: No. I don't know, man. I don't, no, I, don't man. I don't, I don't when you just brought it up just now, that's the first time like it hit my head, but it was kind of like a light bulb where I was like, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's what she saw. And she didn't know me. So she didn't know that I'm just an idiot who was like, <laughs> I hope you like candles because you work at the stupid candle store. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that was it. And I obviously didn't, that wasn't my intent because the last thing I ever want like, I get excited when like, you know, someone matches with me and they talking to them. The last thing I want to do is like in like the third sentence be like, you know, Hope you want to to get down or something. Let's go get Uh, some barbecue and get busy. Yeah. So now you say that, I'm like, maybe that's what it looked like. But it worked out because after that, I was like, damn, that really sucks. I'm never doing this again. And then that evening, um, new girl came along. And that's been a lot better because I never asked her if she likes candles, obviously. So she stuck around. That's a good plan. I'm never going to ask people if they like fucking candles ever again.
0: That's something that you save for like the second or third date. He just say, like, "Hey, just yeah, you know, yeah, I do you like candles? I like to light a vanilla one every
1: now and then. Dude, I, they make
0: one that smells like cinnamon rolls. Like that's pretty cool."
1: But she works at the candle store. She works at the face wash store
0: and body scrub store. That, Can-
1: I hope you like body wash. That that would be worse. I feel like. Yeah, I hope you like. Skin cleanser, face do cleanser. you guys have
0: anything there that would make my ball smell good? Would be you, really inappropriate you like as well. Fish sticks?
1: <laughs> oh <God. laughs>
0: what am I supposed to do there? Like, uh, I, I mean I, it's, I'm it's probably great. the wrong person to
1: ask, but see here's here's the thing: I don't have game, so clearly in a, so in a way it's terrible because a million doors are slammed in my face, but when when it works out it really works out because someone like you're getting the real me because i can't, I can't do anything else
0: i have i have a, i have a question that i just thought of yeah go for it all right so obviously i'm assuming in your profile because uh, if those of you who don't know mark is extremely tall uh yeah. he's six foot eight he's a very a very tall man uh, the average male is not six eight so he's you know he's he's basically like a basketball player if <laughs> But like without a shred of the athleticism that goes with it, right? Hey. Eh, I don't know. I'm assuming. Has she asked you yet if you are really 6'8"? Yeah, that yeah. comes up a lot. That comes out early. early, right?
1: Yeah, it comes up early because it will either be someone who matched with me not because of that and then they see that and they're really concerned because they're probably short and they're thinking it's going to be some horrible you know like like movie like they're dating Bobon now or something
0: well, I, I, had a, I had a friend like uh, one of my female friends um years ago she went out on a date with a guy on a website and the guy in his profile right wrote that she's like that he's six one but she, she she showed up to the he showed up to the date and he's like five foot seven and so like that happens and it's like that's well, one of those things where, like, okay you can't really that's too big of a difference like people are gonna be able to tell so it's, like, that's obviously off-putting because, like, what else did you lie about? It's, like, she wouldn't have cared if the guy, like, was 5'7". She would have still gone out with him. But this guy is right. trying to be something he's not. I mean, that would, like, me, you know, me putting – I'm 5'10", you know, and maybe 5'11", but probably 5'10". Um, and I'm not going to put that
1: I'm 6'2". Yeah, and, and I, I definitely – I'm a strong advocate of not lying on there because the goal is to eventually meet someone and go really, right really horribly. But, but, yeah, like um, – so either they ask because they're like, "Holy crap, that's a monstrosity. That's horrifying. I never want to see that as long as I live." But women like
0: tall guys, though. So I don't think it, it's not or, really a rough
1: footing, is it? Yeah, I think it is to some. It's either or. It's either like, well, that's not working." Yeah, no well. shit. Yeah, it's either like, "No, that's not that's not happening," or it's like, "That's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life." So that's the, like that's that's where I'm at right now, and it 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 goes over well with tall ladies um well yeah because i mean obviously there's a girl
0: that's like six two they're gonna be like oh my god this is like the equivalent of you know me dating a a five foot ten male like when i've dated women that are like five four it's can you kind of have that it's probably hard for them to to find that you know i don't know how many what the percentage of women out there that are over six feet but i would venture to say it's probably less than five percent of society at least It's, it's pretty rare so to find somebody who's 6'8", hey, I feel like that would be, that would give you an advantage with those, right. I, I mean, just kind of playing off of, like, the things, I, I don't know if that's true or not, I just know that, for my own, I mean, I got told one time by a girl that I was, that I was too short, which is ironic, because she's like, 5'2". So I was like, okay, I like a foot difference, I'm like, okay, like.
1: Yeah, that's just weird. I mean, I'm like, alright, like, right, like, whatever. Yeah, no, like, like I get it when, like, a girl's, like, around six feet that, you know, they might be looking for someone taller, I get it's that. Like that
0: that joke like what do you call a guy under six feet a friend <laughs> that's that stupid joke ouch yeah it, 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 it burns <laughs> it burns it burns it physically bad, burns bad bad memories I, and not really bad memories it's just kind of like of all the things that you could have said to end this you know wasn't even like really a relationship it's like first of all you know that's 510 when you went out with me i mean i, I didn't lie and second of all, like I mean, that I mean, of all the things you could have picked to no longer, there's so many things that they could have picked, you know, and they they went with that. It's just kind of like, okay, like that's 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 the direction we're going here, huh?
1: That's a good point.
0: Very good point. Um, man, uh, we, probably gonna have to wrap this up here in a little bit, but, um, in fact, we're gonna come back with a part two since we're running out of time. So should we split this up and do two episodes or should we just do like one monstrosity again? Like we always do.
1: Um, I, I don't think we have enough to do two, like two full ones because the second one would have no structure to it whatsoever. Yeah. This
0: show that has no structure to it anyway. So what difference does it make?
1: All right, let's come back. We're going to take a quick
0: break. We'll be right back. This message is brought to you by Mark fill in the blank. Uh, I saw that's of all the things you could have picked. All right. We'll be right back guys.